0: My name's Matt. Success has always been my focus, my primary objective. In fact, I graduated top of my class from Yale, and after graduation, I went on to work with one of the most successful CPAs in the nation. You see, I had everything, really, I had everything. A beautiful wife, three kids, a huge house, the latest and greatest, anything and everything. But that was it. Money was the most important thing to me. It was the only thing that kept me going. You see, I had this opportunity with an account. A miscalculation, if you will. And I took advantage of it. I made a lot of money. I mean, I had so much money, I didn't even know what to do with it. It was the only thing that mattered to me. I turned my back on my family, my friends, my reputation. My integrity was shattered. I had so much money, but that was all I had. I was in this coffee shop one day, and uh, a man approached me. Well, he invited himself to sit with me is what he did, and I uh, quickly realized he was the religious type, and I was not excited, to say the least. You know, I just figured he wanted something from me. But after a while, I realized he wasn't asking for anything. He just wanted to talk and to be honest I thought he was crazy at first I really did But what did I have to lose So I started talking to him about my life my work my family and there was something about him It was almost like I'd known him forever He just seemed so trustworthy so understanding you know it was he was one of those people you just wanted to be around He had that infectious personality. And the more time I spent with him, I started to feel better, more at peace. You know, I, I didn't feel so alone and so guilty about what I'd done. It's been three years since that day, and I will never forget it. I've had quite the journey with him. and In fact, I wrote all about it, and You may have read my book. And if you've read my book, then you probably know me as Matthew. You see, the man I met that day, he's the greatest man who's ever lived. And because of him, I am forever changed. His name is Jesus. Thank you.
1: So we've had eight weeks of Old Testament, and now we're going to the New Testament. Guess which book we're in today. You're so astute, and uh, you're alert. Um, So again, I hope you've got the app. hope you've downloaded the app. How are you doing reading the Bible? Are you reading the Bible? Are you reading the Bible through this year? How many of you are reading daily, quarterly, yearly, semi-annually? All right. So we're we're reading through the Scriptures. If you're new, you can download the app. You can go on the website and follow along. And so we've been eight weeks now in the OT, and now we're going to be in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we'll do Luke on Good Friday, on that Friday night, all right? So Jesus, on Palm Sunday, which we'll celebrate next Sunday, goes into Jerusalem riding a donkey. We know that story, right? They're waving palm branches. They're shouting, Hosanna, which means save us, save us now. And they're expecting a military Messiah. They were not expecting to be saved from their sins. They were expecting to be saved from those Romans that they loathed. And so Jesus comes in riding on the donkey. And here's what Matthew chapter 21 verse 10 says. They ask this question. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and they ask, who is this? And that's really the right question. Everybody has to figure out who Jesus is. And we're going to look at Matthew today, and you're going to read Matthew this week. And what we're going to do is, there's a lot of different ways we could have approached this. We could have approached this with doctrine. We could approach this with theology. We could have approached this with all the prophecies that were made and how they were fulfilled. But we're not going to do any of that. What we are going to do in Matthew is we're going to look at the people. And throughout the Gospel of Matthew, there are three categories of people. And all three of those categories of people are everywhere in the world. They're in this room. They're in Safety Harbor. Three categories of people are, are everywhere. And so I, I want us to look at the people. I've never done this before. Well, I, actually, I've done it twice this morning, but I've never done it before. Um, we've never talked about just the people in a particular in a particular book. And you will find yourself in one of these three groups of people, okay? So here's group number one. Group number one would be like Herod. Group number one would be the chief priest and teacher of the law. Group number one would be Pilate. Group number one would be one of the thieves on the cross who hurled insults. Uh, group number one would be a group of people. Well, let's just read a couple of these first. Let's look at Herod. Here, let's see if you can figure this out. You're smart people. You're awake. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When Herod realized that he'd been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. You know that story, right? So there's a there's the, the, the couple passages about Herod. This is category number one. I want to give you two more sections. Herod, let's look at the next one. Here are the soldiers. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium. They gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him, scarlet robe on him, twisted together a crown of thorns. They kind of rammed it on his head. Then they put a staff in his right hand. They knelt in front of him. And they mocked him. Now, can you imagine what the angels of God were doing right now? I think the angels were saying, let me go. And God's just holding them back. I probably would have let them go, but I'm not God. They spit on him, took the staff. They struck him again and again on the head. After they'd mocked him, they took off his robe, put his clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. All right, here's the next group of people. Look at the next. They're the guards. So we've got group number one would be the people like Herod. It would be the people like the soldiers. It would be people like the guards. When the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and they reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money telling them, you are to say, his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money, and they did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this day. Here's category number one. If you're a note taker, it's in your bulletin. You can fill this in. Category number one, Jesus really is nothing. To Pilate, Jesus is nothing. To the Herod, Jesus is nothing. To one of the thieves on the cross, Jesus is nothing. Now, I doubt that in this room there are those of you that think Jesus is nothing. The only reason that that would happen is if you lost a bet or you thought this was a restaurant and you took a wrong turn on Marshall Street. But there's no other good reason for that because you're here. You're here today. But we all have people that we work with. We all have people in our family. We all have people in our neighborhoods that Jesus basically doesn't mean anything. Maybe they're not anti-Jesus, but they're just not enthralled by Jesus. Now, they could be anti-Jesus, and every time Jesus' name is mentioned, there can be some anger. But category number one, and all of us fit in one of these three categories today. Category number one, to the people in Matthew and to the people in Pinellas County, category number one, Jesus really means nothing. He is nothing. Category number two is interesting. Category number two is like the rich young ruler. It's like Pilate's wife. Category number two would be like the people who came and got fed by Jesus, and they're following Jesus, not because he was great, but just because they got a free meal. Category number two would be like his mother and his brothers. When they came knocking on, you know, looking for him one time, and they said, Jesus, your mother and your brothers are here. C- category number two would be like when, when the Pharisees thought they'd nailed Jesus. And he pulls out a coin. He says, Whose inscription's on the coin? And they said, Caesar's. He says, What? Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and render to. Three of you went to Sunday school in your life. That's really good. So, so. That's category number two. Category number two would be like when the Sadducees tried to nail Jesus. And they, they come up with this fictitious story. And they said, look, you know, this woman married the man. He died. Then she marries the brother. He died. Married the next brother. He died. Jesus, there were seven brothers in all. And when they all died in the resurrection, and the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection, whose wife will she be? They thought they'd nailed Jesus. And Jesus said, look, you don't know the power of God. You don't understand all this. And they were amazed. Category number two is this. Jesus is something. The rich young ruler thinks Jesus is something. Category number two, Pilate's wife said what? Don't have anything to do with this man. I have suffered greatly because of him in a dream. And you've got all kinds of people. They heard Jesus' teaching and possibly a few of you or maybe a good many of you in this room, you think Jesus is something. Something. And if if you're new to church, that's great. If you've been in church for years, that's not so great. And category number two is, I think, the most dangerous. Because in category number two, you can drift. Do you believe in Jesus? Yeah. Do you think Jesus is the Messiah? Yeah. What do you think about the Bible? Yeah. I mean, category number two is you're just cruising down the river. And category number two is you never put a stake in the ground. Category number two is you never have to say what you really believe and how you're going to live your life. And we're surrounded by people who think Jesus is something. I'm not really sure what, but Jesus is something. Category number three is altogether different. Category number three are like the Magi. Category number three are like John the Baptist in Matthew. Category number three would be like the, the, the story of Matthew himself. And Miguel was obviously doing a monologue this morning about the life of Matthew. It's an incredible story. The backstory to the author of these 28 chapters is an amazing story in and of itself. Or maybe category number three is really more like Simon Peter's great profession of faith. Or maybe even the request of James and John's mother because they recognized who he was. Or the Canaanite woman who was desperate for God to show up. See, category number three is altogether different. Category number three is, I think he's everything. I think Jesus is everything. Yeah. See, category number one is, I don't think he's anything. He's nothing. Category number two is, yeah, he's, he's something. I'm not sure what. He's something. The category number three, that's the game changer. That's where everything changes, is when you think that Jesus is everything. And I think most of you in the room believe that. I think most of you in this room have made some profession of faith. You've given your life to Christ. You've been baptized into Christ. You can't wait for Holy Communion. You can't wait to come maybe to the worship night this next Wednesday night and spend time worshiping. You can't wait to come here on Sunday and sing and pray. But you feel like I don't know if that I'm all in because I've still got some things going on in my life, and I'm not really sure. Kurt, is there a fourth category? I mean, I'm not in. I'm not in two. And I'm really, I'm not in three, can there be like a 2.73 right here kind of, no, the answer is no, but I think more of you are all in than you think you are and you give yourself credit for it. Let me give you some illustrations. So last night I was sitting on our lanai uh, out by the pool and what you do with a sermon is you've got to get it from your head to your heart. If it doesn 't drop eighteen inches it won 't be very good. It can be you know academic and all that good stuff, but it 's not very good because it doesn't come it doesn 't burn within your soul and so i 'm there in the pool last night i 've already studied three and a half four hours yesterday, but i 'm sitting there praying, I look up and i, I there 's a bird cage out there, you know all the screens and whatever and i don 't know how many panels there are in the bird cage, maybe forty i haven 't counted them, but there 's a whole bunch of them and there 's one screen. That a couple days ago, this flipping squirrel got a hold of and just put a hole in, right? And that was, you know, several days ago, and I called. They're coming Monday. But by last night, the screen now is not ripped a little bit. It's ripped a whole lot. And now the screen's, you know, flapping. I got 39-ish great screens. What screen do you think I'm focusing on? Yeah. Yeah. And you see, I think you've given your life to Jesus And you're doing a lot of things right, but you're worried about the one screen. And so he's still perfecting that. Last Sunday after church, there were seven of us that hopped on our boat from Marker One Marina. We hopped on the boat. We go seven miles down to uh, Three Rooker and then Anclote. We went to Anclote. And um, as we get there, you back up. You let the first anchor out, the bow anchor. Then you take a stern anchor, which is on a long cord, and you send somebody Out of the boat to the beach. Well, you know, it's my boat, and Ethan's going to win that. You know, the water's cold, and he's he's going to have to do that. So he's long-legged, long arms. So Ethan's always, you know, the grunt off the boat to go do this first. And I stay nice and dry. So I think we're in two feet of water. And we are in two feet of water, except right where Ethan stepped off the boat, there was a hole. And he steps off the boat, gets in the hole, and he's, (gasps) you know, water's cold, and it's a lot deeper than I thought it was. We're all laughing at him, you know. (laughs) And so, you know, he adjusts the boat just a little bit, and then it's my turn. So I know where the hole is. I watched him. So I get out of the boat with two chairs, I caught the edge of the hole and I slide right down that hole and I'm gasping for breath. The water's freezing, trying not to drop two chairs. They're all laughing. I mean, I hear Danita laughing over everybody else. <laughs> She's not nearly as spiritual as she looks. <laughs> and, and so we help everybody get out of the boat, you know, and the last person is Rick. And Rick is one of our friends, and, um, you know, Ethan's 6'3", I'm 6 feet, I don't know how tall Rick is, 5'7", 5'8", on a good day. And he, he steps out of the boat, and um, he'd forgotten about the hole. And right about that time when he almost hits the water, I said, Rick, the hole! And it's too late, he just, he's down, a, and we're all laughing at him. We're not a very merciful family, we, re- we really aren't. Here, here's the point. You've got holes. There's all this solid ground, two feet of water all around us and all around you. But you know in your heart of hearts there's still some stuff going on in your life. You've given yourself to Christ. Christ is everything to you. He means everything to you. But you're still, you've got some screens that are torn and you've got some holes and you're still struggling. Well, I want to help you today. Because I actually believe you're doing better than what you think you are. If you've given your life to Jesus, you're probably focusing on the screens and the holes of your life. But I want us to focus right now on six different individuals who are all in in the gospel of Matthew. Jesus is everything to these six. And again, I think you're going to find yourself in maybe three or four of these people. So here's what I want to do. Instead of giving you the tagline and then giving you the scripture to support it, I want to read the scripture first, and then we'll look at the tagline. Then it'll make sense to you. So here's the first one. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi, that's the key word, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where's the one who's been born King of the Jews? We saw a star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. See, what would the Magi say? I believe Jesus is everything, but I'm still on a journey. Isn't that your life? You believe, but you're still figuring it out. The Magi took a 1,500-mile journey one way, one year, to find out and to figure out, and they were still on that journey for a long time. That's you and me. We're trying to figure this whole thing out. We believe Jesus is the King, the Messiah, the great I Am, but we're still what? We're still on a journey. I am. Here's the second person I hope you can identify with. I baptize you with water for repentance. Who's this? John the Baptist. More of you went to Sunday school or youth group. That's good. But after me comes one who's more powerful than I am, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. What's John the Baptist saying? I believe Jesus is everything. I do. He's everything. But I need an alignment. I know what my assignment is and I'm not going to get out of my alignment. I'm going to figure out that he must increase. I must decrease. I'm going to figure out he's the lamb of God. I am not. And even today, even if you're all in, you still might be trying to figure out your assignment. What's my role in the body of Christ? And I don't know about you, But God comes to me constantly and reminds me that he's the one in charge and I'm not. There's an alignment there. Number three, person number three. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. And while Jesus was having dinner, just wait just a second. I want you to notice something here. When Jesus calls Matthew... He does not ask Matthew to believe anything. He does not call Matthew to change his behavior. Now, this is amazing because we do it just backwards. We do it just the opposite. When Jesus calls Matthew, he he doesn't say, I need you to believe anything. He doesn't say, I need you to behave in a certain way. Because Jesus knows this. If he can get Matthew to believe that Jesus is everything, all his beliefs, and all his behavior will eventually fall into place. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. And while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, tax collectors and sinners came up and ate with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? I'm hearing this, Jesus said, It's not the healthy, you need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. What's Matthew thinking? Matthew's going, I believe, I believe Jesus is everything, but I got to be able to tell what he has done for me. Isn't that you still in your imperfection, still with the holes, still with the screens out in your life. You still have this amazing desire within you to tell other people how great Jesus is. What an amazing time of year this is for us right now. To be able to invite people to church and tell them about Easter. If they're going to come to church, it's Christmas Eve and it's Easter. Okay? If you can't get them for those two, it, it ain't happening. But that's, those are the two key times. So there's screens that are out. There's holes. But we invite people and we share people. And Matthew's story it's a greedy, cheating, lying, stealing tax collector that God called into a righteous relationship with himself. Here's the next person. Look at this next person. Leaving that place, this is a strange story, and we're just going to read it. I don't have time to really explain it. Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon, and the Canaanite woman from the vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So the disciples came to him and urged him, send her away. She keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And and her daughter was healed at that moment. You see, she believed that Jesus was everything, and yet what? She's absolutely desperate. Isn't that you and me? We believe, but oh God, we need you to help our, our son or our daughter. Oh God, we believe, we need you to help our, help us with our aging parents. Oh God, we believe. But we got, we got a, a sick family member. And so even though we believe he's everything, we're still absolutely desperate. For him to work in all of our lives. Now, this next one I'm going to share with you, you might argue with me, doesn't fit. And I would say, okay, I just kind of look at this a little bit differently. And if you disagree, that's cool. You can be wrong, but we're good with that, all right? (laughs) All right, here's the next one. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons. I actually like this mother. I actually think she had it going on. I actually think she really understood who Jesus was. I think she gets a bad rap. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down, she asked a favor of him. What is it you want, he asked. And she said, well, I want you to grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. And Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup. But to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my Father. Now, what happens here? I think the woman understood who Jesus was. She saw he was the great I Am. And basically, she's saying this. I believe Jesus is everything, but I just need a little bit of an adjustment. You're asking for something that's not quite within the margins. Wonderful mom, you got the great faith that God can do anything, that Jesus can do. But, but, but there, there's an adjustment here. And I don't know about you, but God is constantly adjusting my life. I think I got something figured out, and God gives me a 5% course correction. This, this is my story. This is your story. We're all in, we believe He's everything. But he's still making those adjustments in our life. I think the woman had great faith. Just thinks she needed a pretty good course correction there. And the last one is one of my favorite characters of all. Let's look at this one. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, and that was the passage that was read during communion this morning. And by the way, if you go to Israel with us, this is my favorite spot right here. Caesarea Philippi is my favorite spot. When we got there, I got a lump in my throat the size of a, of a grapefruit because for the first time I understood what was really going on at that place. It was awesome. He said, who do people say that son of man is? And they replied, well, some say John the Baptist and others, Elijah, but still others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Well, what about you? He asked, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah. You are the son of living God to Simon Peter, Jesus is everything. Look at the next tagline. I believe Jesus is everything. I just need some supernatural faith. I just need some supernatural faith to make those leaps in my life. Isn't that your story too? We all just need more of that supernatural faith in our life. Well, for six years, here at Harborside, Danita and I, we now are in adult small groups, adult connect groups. And we just finished a great one. But for the first six years we were here, we did student small groups. We did high school small groups. I just replaced those sofas. Man, were they destroyed. Anyway, that's another story. But for six years, we, we did student small groups. And I learned something quickly about students. Students are always looking for a hero. And they're looking for a coach, they're looking for a teacher, they're looking for a youth minister, they're looking for a hero that they can just look up to. But what happens is, after a while, those students discover that that coach, or that teacher, or that hero is not the fourth member of the Trinity. They've got flaws. And they've discovered, and when that happens... Students want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Are you familiar with that expression? Students wanted to say, okay, if my tennis coach is not everything, even though I've learned all this, then he or she's nothing. About twice a year in our living room, in our home, I would pull all the students together because somebody had a coach or a teacher or somebody that just kind of went off the rails a little bit. And I would have to say, all right, what did you learn from her? What what did you learn from him? Were those great lessons? Ah, oh, they were. So now, this area over here that's not so good, can you not take the good out of that person's life and kind of leave the rest? I'm not saying that's good. I'm saying ignore it. But I'm just saying, can't you value what you learn from them? And then I would ask this question. I would say, do you think that person's God? Well, no. Hurt, that's just dumber, you know. No, and I would say, okay, and, and, and I would have to help them to see that there was only one God. You see, you and I have never apologized about Jesus's behavior, you and I have never had to explain away an action that Jesus has made, you and I have never had to defend Jesus' beliefs or his behavior or his character. Why? Because he's God. We've never, ever in a million years would we ever have to try to explain away Jesus' character because it can't get any greater. It's the great, He is the great I Am. And so some people think Jesus is nothing. Some people think Jesus is something. And some people think that Jesus is what? He's everything. He's everything. So I'm out in the community. Many of you see me out at Starbucks. That's my second office, it really is. And I'm 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 out as much as my schedule will allow me because that's where the people are. And so as I get to know somebody in the community, maybe a year and a half or two years, I'll get to know somebody. And I begin to work into a spiritual conversation. I begin to invite them to church. I begin to invite them to what can take place. God's calling you. God's working on your heart. I begin to have theological discussions. Never argue. Never get mad. Just having a good time with them. And I finally will say something like this after I get to know somebody for a year and a half or two years. I will say something like this. You know, either Jesus did or He did not rise from the dead. It's either He did or He didn't. And if He did, He's offering you The greatest gift you could ever imagine. He's offering to forgive you of all your sins. And inevitably, even though I'm up here with the conversation, that person will try to take the conversation down here. And like, well, what what does the church believe politically about so-and-so? And I'm like, are you kidding me? We're talking about eternal life? And you're, you're over here wanting to ask me about something. Politi- are, are you th- that dumb to, to, to not get. I'm, I'm going, as I get older, you know, the filters kind of go, right? And I know I can't do that. And I'll be talking to somebody about, about, you know what? Jesus came to forgive you of all your past, present, and future sins. And they'll bring up some church in Nebraska that's homophobic and some pastor. I mean, are you kidding me? Are you that stupid? We're talking about eternal life. We're talking about the king of kings. We're talking about all your sins to be forgiven. And you're somewhere over here in the weeds about something that just doesn't even... Are you kidding me? I can't say that. It's right here in my heart. I don't say it. But you think about this. He's offering you everything. Eternal life forgiveness of sins, the removal of all your shame. He's offering you purpose. He's offering a plan. He's going to continue to make adjustments into your life. He is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and he loves me and he loves you. And so Jesus Christ is everything. He's everything. And I think this is you. I think this is most of you in this room. I think most of you are not in category two. I think you're in category number three. I do believe He's everything. As I grow, He becomes even more and more and more and more and more. So I want to put the list of the six back on the screen. I want to ask you to pick one of these six. Where do I need to grow? i got a couple screens that are got some holes in them. i got some some issue, but, but which of these six should I pick? As I pick one of these six, I want to ask you to stand up. So I'm going to ask you right now, if you would pick one of these, and then if you would, when you've picked your one, I'm going to ask you to stand. And Then we're going to sing this amazing song that just kind of summarizes all this and worship our great King together.